What? Well, I always seem to make you mad, so... Zero! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friend Request, a podcast from Scanline Media where we discuss relationships in video games, interpersonal and with the game at large. I am Colin Detmar of Scanline Media. And I'm Jennifer Uncle, also from Scanline Media. And today we both have relationships from games that the other hasn't played, so there's probably going to be a little more explanation than normal, and also games where the relationships are going to take a little work to explain. So I'm going to start off with... Uh, a pair, well, sort of, mm, I guess a little more than a pair, um, with some relationships from uh, the Dot .hack series, specifically .hackGU. Um, .hack is a cross-media, uh, <laughs> I hate those <laughs> terms, but um, basically it's a cross-media franchise that encompasses, like, anime and games, and they had, like, a CG movie at one point, and they sort of gone all over the place. Um, it was supposed to be a cooperation between an anime studio and uh, Bandai Namco. Um, and Dot Hack GU is sort of the second main series of games. The first one, the the first you know quadrilogy of Dot Hack games on PS2, and then the GU uh, trilogy after it. Um, and all of the Dot Hack stuff relates to a fictional MMO called The World. Where, you know, like, it's it's a crazy popular game, and it's so realistic, and everyone's playing it, and people start experiencing some, like, supernatural phenomenon and getting caught in the game, and so forth. It's uh, an idea that obviously has been made popular in recent times by series like uh, Log Horizon and, of course, Sword Art Online. My opinions on those shows notwithstanding... Um, I think it's a really interesting concept, and it means the relationships in this game are kind of interesting because it's more than on one level, right? So we're going to talk about the protagonist, Haseo, and his relationship with both Shino and Adelie, who are two uh, two other players he encounters. Haseo himself is, a, I believe, a high schooler, um, age 17, who was actually, like, this since this is the second this is the second series he was a character in the previous series of games and the anime um when he was when he was his player was 10 years old and he has no memory of any of that because of supernatural fuckery but he's actually a veteran character and in the series he's sort of like the um like he's he's a cliche anime loner right uh He's going around, he's, you know, like, trying to get stronger. He has an objective he is pursuing. And, you know, occasion- and he sort of is taught the value of friendship, right? It's it's a pretty classic story. Um, but the thing that's interesting is he has he has two friends that he, he meets at different times called Shino and Adelie. And this is kind of where the game does some interesting playing into the MMO nature and the sort of duality of online versus offline. Um, Because on its face, the reason that Haseo ever gets interested in Adelie is because he was friends with Chino, and Chino in the real world goes into a coma and can no longer be in the game. And then he sees Adelie just sort of randomly, and Adelie, because it's an MMO and there are limited resources, has the same player model. Just like went through character creation, selected the same options, and looks very, very similar to Shino. 
and it's kind of an interesting acknowledgement of like you know the limitations of games because a lot of times when like even like anime do this this like you know oh it's a it's an MMO thing they just sort of it's it's only an MMO when it's convenient for them they don't ever acknowledge the limitations of games oh okay and and so there's this like oh like he only he starts following her around cuz though they get not following her around that's a weird way to put it but they they start interacting in the first place even though they're very different people because the player model is the same and then there's sort of a deeper level of it which is also they're both like both Adelie and Shino are depressed high school age teenage girls um and it's kind of interesting seeing like how on on its face they're extremely different people Adelie and Shino and there's Haseo trying to sort of figure out why he feels the similar sort of connection but there's a very similar sort of person underneath it and i think a lot of a lot of what's interesting about the relationship is it's uh Shino and Adelie are obviously different people and i'm not trying to suggest they are the same but it's kind of a lot of it's I mean, you could see it as Haseo realizing he has a type, right? Um, but it's like an interesting exploration of how this, like this, these different, um, this person's situation can work out, right? Because both of these people are, are, are depressive. Shino has uh, some, some various serious health issues and is sort of playing this game as an escape. Um, and then she falls into a coma. And then Adelie is playing this game because she uh, attempted suicide and failed and then was on, like, some forums, like, some suicide forums. And someone was like, hey, like, why don't you come play this game with me? And she's like, well, I guess it's better than dying. Um, and it's kind of seeing, like, the um, Adelie's thing is that she, like, she knows is very quiet and very reserved, but she's actually, like, pretty positive about her personal outlook whereas Adelie is the reverse where she's very like upbeat and peppy and enthusiastic even though she has a lot of self-loathing and wishes she weren't alive and so it's kind of I don't know it's an interesting exploration of how we express ourselves you know through like through the internet and through characters to try and show like what we want to be or what we feel like we should be and also how people react to that. And over the course of the game, there's a, like a connection is established, not just online, but offline as well. So. Yeah. And that point about uh, using the game to escape suicidal thoughts is something that I've heard from a number of people who play MMOs. So it sounds like, it sounds like a very personal story that, was coming from a genuine place. I mean, yeah, if we're, if we're allowed to get a little, (laughs) a little real for a second, um, I actually like in retrospect, I connect a lot with Adelie who at the, when I played these games, when I was, when I was in high school, I didn't connect with Adelie very much. I mean, she, I thought she was a decent character, but I didn't like have any, any real personal connection. But in retrospect, as I got, as I got older, as I went through college, as I went through my suicidal phase and, and tried to escape it by being a super friendly, chatty person in World of Warcraft, it's like, oh, I see. (laughs) I get it now. Um, yeah, it, it feels very authentic that there's this person who, yeah, like has a bunch of self-loathing and tries to combat that by being a person everyone likes on the internet. Like, oh yeah, nope. 
I recognize some of that in my own life. So, um, and it's, I, I think it's just like, initially the relationship is with, um, Shino is not in mostly the, the games. She's in coma for most of the game. So she's just kind of the setup for Heseo and Adelie, which is ultimately the, the, the stronger relationship. Um, but a lot of that relationship is at first Adelie trying to sort of win Haseo over because she, she just sort of likes him and also just like wants to be liked just generally. And Haseo is a person who is not very uh, open about his feelings and is kind of abrasive. And to a person who is, you know, desperate for, you know, like approval, it's like, well, that just makes you want to get their approval more, right? And so for a while, it's, Adelie just kind of following out, following after Haseo, trying to get him to, to like her and be friends with her. And then it turns a corner and Haseo, like, she kind of gets sick of Haseo's shit, and then Haseo realizes how he's been fucking this up and has has a, a change in attitude. So. Huh, okay. So it's a little bit cliche, but I think the layers of it are, are enough that it's it's a it's a more interesting relationship than it sounds on its face, so. Yeah, they have that, uh, HD collection of all those GU games coming out in a few months, so it'll be interesting to see that for myself. Yeah, I as ever, I am, like, the the whole time, like, I'm gonna enjoy that collection a lot. I'm so worried about how this game will have aged, but but I'm really glad this is getting to happen anyway, so. It's always good to see, like, CyberConnect, the team behind it, went on to do, you know, Asura's Wrath, which a lot of people have, have fondness for, and then they were sort of, I mean, I haven't talked to them, but I got the feeling that they were kind of trapped making Naruto games for a long time. And they did a really good job, but it's like, you know, when you're a studio, not a lot of studios want to be making someone else's IP. They want to make their own stuff. And it's kind of nice to get the, to see them finally return to an IP they created, .hack. So. Totally. So what did you bring for us today? So, I figured I would talk about uh, Zero End McHale. I think that's how you pronounce it in uh, Dragon Guard 3. Essentially, Zero is... The way that you're introduced to her is... There's this person reading lore about this land where five sisters keep the peace through their super-powered songs. And the person reading it immediately gets impaled by a sword by this white-haired girl named Zero. She's the sister of all those other girls, and she's traveling with her giant dragon, Michael, to take care of them all. You basically, you run into, you run into all, all the other five sisters at the same time at the very beginning, but due to them all teaming up against you, you and Michael basically get thrown into a... You get thrown off screen to such a degree, and then it just fades to black to show that, yeah, it didn't go so well for either of them. So, eventually, after some time has passed, Zero's still kind of picking herself up, but she's joined by a very different dragon with a slightly similar name, named Mikhail. You're introduced to Mikhail, he's... As as a contrast to Zero's immediate killing of a civilian, Mikhail's just rolling around in a giant river of mud, laughing the whole time, while Zero screams at him for being a dummy. Essentially, Zero sees 
Mikhail as a tool to get what she needs done done. At least that's the way that she treats her on the treats him on the outside. Like he will constantly ask her, "Hey, should we really be killing all these people? Why don't you just talk to your sisters? Why don't we just make things up?" And she always replies, calling him a dummy. Just keep your mind on the job. If you don't do what I'm telling you to, I'm going to hit you. And it's this really abusive relationship, but Mikhail is A, a dragon, and even as a baby dragon is three or four times her size, and B, is cheerful the entire time, or at least very innocent. So even as he's frame blown, even as he's burning a bunch of people alive, <laughs> you kind of get the sense that he's just this happy-go-lucky dragon that is like, oh yeah, sure, I'll just go with you, Zero. I really like you. Let's just cut through all these people because you say so. <laughs> and also, I mean, it's worth, like, we, we won't get to, I hope, well, I don't know. It's up to you how far we'll get into spoiler territory, but um, sh- Mikhail is wrong, right? Like, you can't just talk about this one, right? That is him just being too naive. The situation is, like, obviously I think Zero could be nicer about it, but the situation is such that you're not just going to talk this one out. Totally. The situation is very grave, but through most of the story, like Mikhail, you're not aware of as much of the context as Zero is, so Mm -hmm. you side from him from... You side with them from time to time, even as you're controlling her, cutting through all these armies. And even though she's constantly berating him, she never uses his name for 99% of the game. Just does variations on dummy, idiot, and lets her other followers, her disciples, boss him around. There is this sense of affection whenever he goes missing. She tries to hide it from everyone else, but she is very concerned whenever he is gone for too long or seems to be in any sort of danger. At one point, he gets straight up kidnapped, and she is beside herself with total anguish about it, like she's absolutely determined to get him back, regardless of how useful he would be to finishing the job. And it slowly tangles and gets more complicated as it goes on. But it's... It ends up being a really sweet relationship, even though they're both... Well, one of them is being a big jerk to the other, but there is a sense of almost parenting, because as you're doing what you're doing, Mikhail also grows himself and becomes a bit closer to Michael, the dragon that he's following, or the dragon that he replaced. And there is this sense that through this intense conflict, this near-constant string of suffering, they've grown to a point where the two are inseparable even when they have to separate for various reasons in some of the most dramatic moments of the game. And it really adds a... The way that the two interact really adds this 
large heart to an otherwise very cruel, very sarcastic game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you know all the uh, all the other intoners have their their followers, um, but they're all those relationships are. I mean, you know, the relationship between Zero and Mikhail is also unhealthy, and so are theirs. But at least there's something to the Zero and Mikhail one that feels sincere, and the relationship between the intoners and their and their their followers is is just purely just kind of gross. So. Totally. The intoners the intoners do various experiments on their followers. They'll one of them straight up manipulates her armies and turns them into creepy dolls. And you get the sense that even though Zero would likely slap a bunch of people around if she had a large army under her command, she's never she never goes that far. She never has the same level of depravity that her other sisters have. And I think that's why all the other disciples tend to very quickly decide to go with her. Like, <laughs> of course, it's nice to be around the strongest person in the room, but she's so much better than literally anything else in this godforsaken land yeah well godforsaken is right it's uh nobody in that game except for maybe mikhail is at all a good person (laughs) (laughs) Uh. yeah and even you could you could even argue whether his constant acts of violence even though he was ordered to do them make him an okay person but for sure He definitely gets out the best in terms of morality with the rest of the cast. And these revelations about this relationship come courtesy of your recent playthrough of of Drakengard 3, right? You sort of went back to see some games after playing uh, Nier Automata to see some other Yoko Taro works, and I think you started with Drakengard 3, right? Yeah, Drakengard 3 was the one that was on a console that I owned, and... Everyone talks about it like it's the second most accessible one right behind near Automata, so it was the... I was pretty eager to jump in, and I had a pretty decent time with some caveats, but I was really drawn to both these characters and the world they inhabited, and it's just this really fantastic story that I hope that more people experience either through YouTube or actually putting yourself through the act of playing it, which can be pretty difficult at times. Mm-hmm. And if you want to read more about that, uh, Jen has just put up an article uh, just the other day on Drakengard 3, which you can find on our website at scanlinemedia.com. I think that's going to be it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this, you can give us a rating or review on iTunes, or you could tell a friend about us that would help us spread the word. We try to keep the podcast short and sweet so that you can have a little bite-sized podcast among all your you know multi-hour endeavors that a lot of other shows tend to go for um, and make it easier to recommend to friends and you know just you know squeeze into your day Uh, if you liked the work we did here you can find more of us at scanlinemedia.com where we have other podcasts we have articles we occasionally have a video or two and we're covering games and games criticism and also you know other things as they come up 
Um, and if you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com scanlinemedia and chip in. Any money that you give us will go towards getting more games or more hardware so we continue to cover more things. I want to give a shout out right now. Uh, I replaced the graphics card on my computer with a, a budget graphics card that's still an improvement over my five-year-old budget card. Um, and now I can run things. <laughs> uh, maybe by the end of the year, I'll replace another part with, with my personal money. And I'll actually be able to run PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds and talk about that. Because, boy, that seems to be on everybody's minds, huh? Um, but, yeah, it's that wouldn't be possible without contributions from backers. And we could, we could do more and cover more with more help. Um, but, if not, all of our content is free and will continue to be free. And you can find it at scanlinemedia.com. I want to give a big thank you to Krista Lee for use of her track Hearts Burning Bright off of her album Welcome to the Fantasy Zone. That is our intro and outro on this show, and you can find it and other works of Krista Lee's at opoorpuff.bandcamp.com. If you have any questions or comments and feedback you want to send to us, you can find us on Twitter. I am at 6264. Jen, where can they find you? You can find me at JBU3 on Twitter as well. And if you have any ideas for characters that you'd like to see covered in here, you can totally drop us a line there and we'll definitely consider it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll see you next time. See ya. See ya.